Andrea, why don't you come and join us on the stage? This is Andrea Howard. Why don't you give her a warm welcome? Do you need a music stand? Chantelle will do that. So Andrea and Andy, together with Owen, Aaron, and where's Ethan? And Ethan! I don't blame you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you're very, very welcome. These are our dear, dear friends who planted Antrim Coast Vineyard. I'm going to guess, but please, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, I thought it was five. Good. I knew Andrea would kill me if I got it wrong. Um, five years ago, and uh, you're so, so welcome. We want to pray for you and uh, then see what you've got. I just love hearing all the stories of what God's doing in Antrim Coast Vineyard, and these guys have been so, so faithful, planting just before the pandemic, not that long, and then fighting their way through that, and God is doing wonderful things in their community. So we're so grateful and so proud of them, and I'm just going to pray for Andrea now as she comes. Holy Spirit, would you come? I just thank you for Andrea. I thank you for her faithfulness to you her integrity. I thank you, God, that she just serves and serves and serves. And I thank you that she loves to worship you. And I just pray, God, you'd bless her as she comes to speak about the love of God and worship and how much we value that. Just fill her afresh, Jesus. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, everyone. I was getting really nervous there, waiting behind the curtains. <laughs> and then when Gareth said him and Chantelle were a double act, I was like, oh my goodness, what is everybody expecting? Uh, the comedy in our house is via my lovely husband. Uh, it's his birthday today. So, I know. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. So yeah, we're just really glad to be here with you this morning. And as Paul and Chantel said, and that was lovely being prayed by both of you. Oh my goodness, I'm feeling so blessed this morning. My name's Andrea. And yes, we were part of Carrick Vineyard for a long time. And about five years ago, we followed God's lead to plant Antrim Coast Vineyard. Uh, so I want to say thank you so much for having us this morning. And thank you so much for the lovely warm welcome as well. And I'm really excited that you're moving to uh, Carrick Academy Junior site. I do keep saying Downshire, so sorry if I mention that again, I might say Downshire. Um, but it's really exciting, isn't it? Um, with new space comes new growth, and you're pretty full up in here. So by following the Holy Spirit's lead, you'll be making room, as Chantel's already said, for new faces, for the birth of new ministries, new partnerships, new lives turned over to Jesus, and making room for new connections as well. Uh, so I'm really, really excited about that. And connecting is kind of what I'm here to talk about this morning as part of your little mini-series, Looking at Your Values. Uh, and I just had a wee look at your connection value. I'm just going to read it. I'm sure you all know it off by heart, but just in case, we believe we are to love God with all that we are and all that we have. We find we meet with God and are changed as we sing worship songs to him together and also hear from God's word, the Bible, and pray for one another. We value connection with God and being in his presence. That's wonderful value to have. And I guess the question this morning is, how do we do that connection with Jesus? Like, how do we do that well? 
And I guess part of the answer is intimacy with Jesus. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. And I know this word intimacy, oh, it's perhaps a bit uncomfortable for some of us in the room. And sometimes in the church context, that word is sort of avoided. Um, it's maybe viewed as a little bit inappropriate or just a kind of a bit unnecessary. And maybe you're squirming in your seat at the very mention of it. But the truth is, we talk about intimacy a lot in church without using the actual word because we talk all the time about what it means to live out of a life that is lived closely with Jesus. And in the dictionary, the word intimacy, there's lots of def definitions, but there's a few here. It's a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person, or to have a close association with or detailed knowledge or deep understanding of. And I think this is great to look at this this morning because this is why the use of the word intimacy is so appropriate. It means more than just a personal relationship. That well-used phrase, if you're around my age you'll have, and you grew up in church, you will know that phrase, having a close and personal relationship with Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But actually, it means more. And that word intimacy helps us to kind of expand what, we're, what we really mean when we're talking about being close to Jesus. So to help us this morning, our scripture reading for today is John 12. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Wow. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, which was an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And I love, I love this story of this intimate encounter with Jesus. So much to learn from this. And my prayer this morning is that perhaps as we take a little look at some of these verses together, that we really will feel able to take another step towards a deeper connection with Jesus. And so Mary, well, she had a very deep connection with Jesus, didn't she? She knew exactly who he was. She knew him so well. So much so that in this moment, during this dinner that had been given in Jesus' honor, and regardless of everyone else that was in the room, she responded to him closely with familiarity in this act of affection and love. Okay, so I wonder, we're going to do something this morning. If you're comfortable, will you close your eyes? And I just want you to picture with me the scene. So you can just imagine this room, the meal, and when we're eating together, there's a hum in the room, and as, as the meal goes on, the hum rises. And then just out of the corner of the room, there's this woman, Mary, she's just hovering, and she's got something in her hands. And she approaches Jesus, and she stands in front of him, and she kneels down at his feet, and she opens this bottle of perfume, 
the aroma floods the room. And then gently she takes Jesus' feet in her hands. She pours the perfume over them. And then she bows her head, unravels her hair, and begins to wipe the feet of Jesus. I imagine the room was now very quiet. I imagine the aroma of that perfume cascaded across the room, opening up the nostrils of everyone that was gathered. Okay, you can open your eyes. I imagine as well that there was another aroma that filled the room that night, and it was the aroma of Mary's intimacy with Jesus. And I've got three points I would like to share with you, Carrick Vineyard, this morning that we can learn from Mary's example of how she had this really deep connection with Jesus. And the first one is intimacy is responsive. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were all very close companions of Jesus. They spent time with him. They traveled with him. They remained close to him. They spent days with him all day as he ministered to those around him. But Mary in particular was one who listened very closely to Jesus. Her priority was to be present with Jesus so that she could listen and that she could learn. And this meant that she had this really detailed knowledge of him. She got to know his rhythms and she understood his ways as much as she could within in her humanity. And she really is paying close attention. And it's likely from what we've read that she has really discerned more about Jesus' death than maybe than the disciples have. They maybe weren't quite yet, there yet. And I'm surmising from her actions that she had some grasp of the reality of Jesus leaving them and that it was highly significant, and it was to do with his purpose as the Son of God on earth, and indeed the will of God his Father. And imagine how Mary must have been feeling, starting to realize that there was events about to unfold, and that she was going to bear witness to those things. She must have felt so confused. She must have felt scared. She must have felt really, really devastated as well. And so what does Mary do? Does she try to stop him? Does she begin a sort of a protest, a petition? Does she start canvassing support to make sure that her Lord, that her beloved Lord, doesn't meet his death? Does she start to get shouty and upset? Does she try to find a better way? Does she beg Jesus to find another way? And I'm sure she thought about doing all of those things and more, but she doesn't. She actually doesn't do anything to obstruct his plans and purpose, painful as it would be for her. And instead, her instinct in this unthinkable scenario that is starting to play out is to seek Jesus, come humbly before him, position herself before him. Intimacy with Jesus is Mary's response in a time of great uncertainty. And sometimes when we think about our relationship with Jesus, our first response is to adopt that posture of receiving from him. And receiving from Jesus is right and it's proper and it's necessary and it's part of this intimacy of this relationship with him. But we just see here in this instance that Mary first ministers to Jesus in her time of need. In verse 7 we read, Jesus replied, It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I have a picture um, just to show you, just to remind us all of what's happening. Mary has been listening to what Jesus has been foretelling. And she decides not to wait 
until she is kneeling at Jesus' body. Instead, she begins preparation for his burial by anointing him with oil while she kneels at his feet. She makes a decision not to leave Beth to the last, and instead she gives first to the best. Mary's intimacy is responsive. Isn't that so beautiful and so powerful? Mary's intimacy is responsive. And I wonder this morning, can we say that we respond to Jesus with intimacy? And secondly, I want to talk about intimacy being abundant. And we read earlier in the text in verse 3 that Mary anoints Jesus not with a small amount of a fragrance, but actually it's around half a liter of an expensive perfume that would have cost the equivalent of around half a year's wages. Imagine working for half of your year. And all of that effort, all of those hours, all of those shifts, all of those days standing in the classroom or whatever it might be, you've put it, you've put that money into one thing. And that's what it was like for Mary. She had, this was worth half a year's wages. And as Mary kneels before Jesus, she offers him the most valuable possession that she most likely owns or has ever owned. And what I'm trying to draw our attention to is that she still could have done everything that we've read about. She still could have postured herself before Jesus. She still could have offered this intimacy, but she could have done it without the abundance bit. And the attitude of the disciples is so predictable, isn't it? You can see that spirit of the times, that of religiosity, it's so evident. What a senseless waste of good perfume was probably their most present thought. What is she doing? They didn't get it. And they had forgotten in the moment who Jesus of Nazareth was. They perhaps hadn't really grasped that Jesus would soon be gone from them in the same way that Mary did. And in verse 5, Judas says, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Judas is looking through the lens of the world, of his world, as we later find out. He tries to put a value on Mary's intimacy with Jesus. And it's a really extraordinary remark to make if you think about it. He's trying to say that Mary's intimacy is worth a certain amount or should be worth a certain amount and certainly not worth what she has put into it. But Mary has beautifully demonstrated for Martha and for Judas and that big room full of men that intimacy doesn't hold back. Mary's actions are perhaps perceived as extravagant, but they merely symbolize the depth of her relationship with Jesus. Ladies uh, or men, think of our own perfumes. I remember when I passed my A-levels, um, it was around the t same time that my older sister, Jackie, she had completed her seven years at medical school. And I think she'd had a few uh, pay packets. Now, this was many, many moons ago. Um, and she bought me a bottle of Eternity for Women, which was my favorite perfume. But she bought me the perfume. She didn't buy me the eau de toilette. Do you know, when I was thinking about this, I don't think I've ever had any perfume <laughs> since then, <laughs> since I was 18. Um, I used to dab it on, like, so sparingly. I think I probably had it for about two and a half years. It had a little stopper. It's the same kind of stopper, I imagine, that was in this bottle of perfume that Mary had. So, yes, ladies, you'll probably understand what I'm talking about. But it was so valuable to me. I didn't waste it, and I was kind of keeping it for when I was going out-out, rather than just, you know day out or something else yeah so you understand what I mean 
So our intimacy with Jesus cannot be wasted. It doesn't need to be restrained. In, in Northern Ireland, we say stingy or something like that, wouldn't we? Or, or tight, if you're from other places. Not going to mention any town names, but, um, you know, no, don't want to get into trouble. But it doesn't need to be restrained. It shouldn't be held back. It's not to be reserved. And certainly intimacy with Jesus is not to be held onto for special occasions. Intimacy with Jesus is abundant. And this contrast between Judas and Mary is staggering, isn't it? Judas entirely misses it. In fact, if you think about it, six days later, Jesus is on his knees, washing Judas' feet alongside the other disciples. Jesus affords abundance with him. Even then, even on that night when he knows that Judas is going to betray him, abundance is the Jesus way. But Mary doesn't miss it. She knows what abundance looks like in the kingdom of God, and she's positioned at Jesus' feet long enough. And most importantly, she's got to know him. I said she's been spent all this time with him, and she was able to transfer all of this head knowledge, all of the things that she saw Jesus see and, and, and do and model. She was able to transfer all of that abundant knowledge, which it must have been, about Jesus, and she was able to move it into an abundant, intimate relationship with Jesus. We can read all the books, guys. We can study. We can podcast. We can do all of that. But there's a difference between knowing all these things about Jesus in our heads and being able to, to tra let the relationship transform so that it's in us with him in our hearts. It's just so different. And I think we can do that this morning. It's a challenge, I know. But it's a wonderful challenge. If only we would give to Jesus whatever we're holding back, then we will find such a freedom in connecting abundantly with him. And the third thing this morning is intimacy is fragrant. And one of the things I really love about the story is that Mary seems no, not interested at all in the opinions or in the reactions of those around her to her relationship with Jesus. She could have waited until it was a quieter time of day or maybe outside somewhere where it wouldn't be as messy with the perfume, or perhaps she could have arranged an appointment with Jesus or tried to, but I know she probably knew how busy Jesus was, and in her humility, she probably didn't want to take up any more of his time, but she could have tried to find another time when they were alone. But I just love this part of the story because the surroundings are not Mary's concern. She is no not interested in what's going on around her. Mary's focus is fully on Jesus. That's where her eyes are fixed, rather than the environment and what goes on around her. And in Carrick Vineyard, those that lead you are here to help you as you focus on Jesus and make room for intimacy with him. And in this church, you're guided, you're able to learn this through life groups, through Bible teaching, fasting, prayer, spaces for corporate worship, just like this one. I know you do worship nights and lots of other things. And this morning, we've already had a lovely time of worship. And there's space in this church for you to grow, for you to learn. It's not easy to suddenly think, oh, yes, I need to be intimate with Jesus. I'm going to do that right now. It, it grows. It grows over time, and it develops. And intimacy needs development. So being consistent, consistently connected to your spiritual home is so crucial. Like everything else in life, a loose connection isn't great. So we all know that. No matter what you're talking about in life, 
even down to, I don't know, the electrics in your home, a loose connection's not great. It's going to be okay, maybe, but it's not going to give us that quality connection that would really begin to make things light up, things to be so powerful, things to really change, things to really change things for us and those around us. And maybe you're thinking this morning, I'm making time for my personal devotion with Jesus, and you know what? I am doing okay by myself. And it's quite easy to think like that. But alongside our personal devotion, when we gather, when we gather like this together, we have the wonderful privilege to worship corporately as one body. We were created to worship. And the vineyard, I don't know if you know, has got different worship values. One of them is intimacy. And there's an aroma of the presence of God as we come together in worship like we have already this morning. As we lift our voices, as we lift our hands, we sing these simple songs. We are led into his presence. And I love that Mary teaches us that intimacy doesn't need to wait for the right conditions. And I say this so gently this morning. We don't have to wait until we're at Carrick Academy to experience intimacy in worship. I am so excited for you that you're moving. I know what it's like to be waiting in one waiting zone and desperate to get to the next. And it's exciting, and there's lots of things that are gonna happen, I'm so excited about it. And I've talked to a lot of you, and I know that this is a really good change for you. But if somehow in here, each of us, we're waiting for this move to be the spark that we're looking for with Jesus, that's not it. We don't have to wait for that. It's so easy to be waiting for the next thing to get this intimacy right, isn't it? And I see you've got your life grips up, which I saw them on Facebook look amazing. Maybe we're thinking, sure, I'll just wait until uh, my life grip starts to sort of sort things out. I'll just wait until that new job starts and then I know I'll be in a better place to sort things out. I'll just wait until my shift pattern changes and then that'll be better. I'll just wait till my children are a wee bit of a better stage or a bit older. That doesn't um, help <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. Um, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. There's seasons, there's stages and there's changes, but if we're always waiting for this next thing, for us to have this deeper connection with Jesus, it's maybe not going to be what we are looking for, and we don't have to wait. And I wonder, you want to wonder with me, what it would look like if in two weeks' time or two months or two years' time, when we think back to these last Sundays in Carrickfergus Town Hall, I wonder what it would look like if we remembered the fragrance of the intimacy we had with Jesus as we kneeled on the floor with him. Imagine that as we make our way to Carrick Academy in a few weeks, that's all we're talking about. Because for many of us, the intimacy was so deep and its fragrance lasted long after we'd gone home from this place. In the same way, as we've read in John 12, in the same way that the aroma of that expensive perfume would have hit the air as soon as that jar was opened, the fragrance of Mary's intimacy with Jesus would have lasted long after the meal was over and they'd all gone home. Mary's intimacy and relationship with Jesus would have left this really huge impression on Judas and the others, no matter what they're saying, no matter if they're going, oh my goodness, what's she doing? Look at her, she's crazy, she's mad. Oh, such a womanly thing to do, or whatever it is, you, we know 
we know that they would have been thinking, huh, I didn't do that. Or, hmm, why, why is she doing that? It would have left an impression on them. And that was not Mary's motivation or her intention, by the way. Mary's focus was on Jesus. But it is surely a reminder to all of us that when we're closely connected with Jesus, it's noticeable to those around us. Intimacy is fragrant. We can learn from others, and others can learn from us. And I don't mean, look at me over here, worshiping Jesus, posting my Instagram photo of myself during worship. That's not what I'm talking about, so please hear me right. That's not what I mean. What I mean is there will be fruit from regular, intimate connection with Jesus. And we can be encouraging each other, encouraging our brothers and sisters to get deeper into intimacy with him simply because of how it lingers where he has been present with us. It lingers where he has been present with us. This is not something we're trying to do super hard. The fragrance of intimacy lingers, and it lingers in the outworking of our faith through our daily lives. Have you ever got to know someone and thought, wow, this, that person spends time with Jesus? And now you're thinking, And the truth is we shouldn't have to think too hard about that. Deep intimacy with Jesus changes us and it's an integral part of our discipleship. I'm going to come into land a little bit now. So this morning, and there's a big list, this is just three things that I've picked out. Intimacy is responsive, intimacy is abundant, and intimacy is fragrant. I just wanted to read verse from John, John 15, 4 to 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Mary sought God's heart. She spent time with her Lord and spent time listening to him, and then she could respond to him, connecting with him from this posture of natural and unforced intimacy. I saw this quote recently on on the internet, and it's from Lisa Bevere, intimacy leaves no room for shadowed spaces. Intimacy leaves no room for shadowed spaces. One of the significant markers of Mary's intimacy was her vulnerability. And consider this room of men. Think of Mary's posture. Think of her hair down and unraveled. But she was in this very close proximity with Jesus. And there's no room to hide anything there. If we're that close, there's no room for anything to be hidden. And I think that quote is so good. There's no room for shadows when we're close to Jesus. Just think, if we're close proximity with someone in the room, it's hard for us to see, isn't it? Because they're enveloping our space. And all the introverts are like, oh. But it's the opposite with Jesus, because if we're this close with Jesus, we can see. He helps us. We can see. We can see things around us so much better. And Kay Warren has said, the enemy's role is to stop us from being in intimacy with God. And I know that most of us here, we know that. The enemy's role is to stop us 
from being in int intimacy with God. So all those things I said earlier, all the things that we're thinking will improve and change, and we're waiting for one thing to another, quite often that's the enemy. He wants to stop us. He doesn't want fruit. So he's going to try to make sure that those intimate times don't happen. And we're, when we're in as close proximity to Jesus as Mary was, there's much less room for the enemy. So this morning, intimacy can be our response. Our intimacy can be abundant. And our intimacy can be fragrant. When we can connect and encounter him, everything in here can change. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that we can just do that? We don't need to go and do something. We don't need a certificate. We don't need to go and sit a course or pass a test. We can just come before Jesus. And he invites us this morning to come close, kneel at his feet. No room for shadows. No room for the enemy. We don't need to hold anything back from him.